You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, episode 87. Very proud to be bringing you episode 87. Now, something that is uh, kind of interfering with this episode, you know, I'm not going to just not make a show. You know that, okay? But I did just have some dental work done, and it makes it somewhat difficult to talk. So, we have some things tonight that are a little out of the ordinary. Number one, I already have a segment recorded with Cronet204. And we're going to be telling you whether or not we want or want that not the Seraphim Squad for Sisters of Battle. I also have some really interesting tournament discussion from our Shorehammer live show. And people discussing how much hobby should play into the competitive scene. Which is also very interesting. I also have the weirdest creepiest hobby session I've ever had. I'm not going to get into any of that. I just want to tell you that it is... I'll just warn you ahead of time that it's very weird and it may be off-putting to some of you, but you know what? That's the way it is. I'm just I'm just laying it all out there, okay? But it's definitely... Once we get to the, well, here's an idea, you may want to just skip it because if you're a little bit squeamish or, or whatever like that. Uh, finally, we have, you know, about a year ago, actually a year and three months ago, I had a bunch of people call on the hotline and they left me like 25 voicemails. And I mean, some of it was funny. Some of it was actually harassing. And I don't know who these people are. And I figured, well, I'll eventually play this, you know, these clips because some of them are funny. Other ones, eh, not so much. So I'll play the funnier of the ones. And it's very obvious that it's the same three people on all the recordings, but I think they're pretty much humorous, and uh, I'll cut out the really negative ones, and that's about it. I waited this long to play them because I figured, well, they're going to want me to react or something on the show, and this is maybe just a little snippet of what you have to deal with when you're putting on a show or putting on a podcast or articles or whatever. You've got those internet trolls and things like that, so that is going to be... I suppose our test rack mailbox tonight. We'll see how that goes. It's gonna be it's gonna be a jung- jumbled up mess because, like I said, got dental work done. N- not it's not super comfortable to talk. So let's get into what I've been up to before I can quit talking and rest my mouth. Okay. What have I been up to? Well, I am starting a new Age of Sigmar army, which I'm very excited about, and I've had it rolling around in my head for quite some time, and I wanted to do an elemental army, kind of like Sylvaneth is all woods. Well, I wanted to do woods and water and fire and air and all of that, and um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm getting D&D miniatures of the different elementals, and I'm using Cities of Sigmar. I'll be using the Living City. And I am going to be adding, you know, the Sylvaneth, which can be part of cities of Sigmar Living City. And they are going to be my woods. And then I'm going to have different, you know, proxies for all the different units that will be either rock elementals or whatever. Very, very excited about that. I actually happened to buy a lot recently with an Alariel. I think her name is Alariel from Sylvaneth. And she's on the giant beetle and whatnot, but it didn't come with Alariel. It was just a giant beetle. And I knew this ahead of time. I wasn't screwed. 
But uh, I was thinking, man, what could I do with that? And then I realized, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a Necron monolith crystal and paint a woman bright white and put her inside that crystal and act like she's the spirit of the earth or whatever. And she is going to have this crystal along with other crystals like attached growing out of the back of this beetle from a L'Oreal. And I'm going to buy the little green crystals to go on the bases of all my models that are in this whole army. And she's basically bringing the world to life and fighting against chaos and things like that. I thought it'd be pretty cool. So that's what I've been up to. And I have also painted, I've added a bunch of Tomb Kings archers to my army. So I have a, a squad of 30 now, but I've only, I've assembled and primed all of them and I've painted 10. So 10 out of 30 I've done. And, you know, I've been struggling with my Tomb Kings and I just, you know, I really like the cavalry. I really like the chariots. They're both battle line, but they're just not, they don't have any damage output. So I finally realized, damn, you know what? These archers actually have some damage output because I can, um, this is going to sound a little bit beardy, but uh, I, I tried it earlier today. I can bring 30 of these guys. If they're not within three inches of an enemy, they each get two attacks each. Okay, that's 20 inches, two attacks each, hitting on fives, wounded on fours. Then I can give them plus one to hit from like my will be done. So that'd be fours and fours. Then my Lich Priest can put a spell on them whenever they roll a six up they get to make another attack. So, we're talking 30 guys, two shots each. That's 60 attacks. They're going to be hitting on fours, so that's going to be 30 hits, roughly. But about two-thirds of those hits will allow me to re-roll more attacks, because then it's a six-up gives me an extra attack. So now it's a five-up, because I'm getting plus one to my roll. And uh, it's, that's pretty gross. And, of course, that can bu be buffed with other things. There's multiple ways to buff it. I could... If I really wanted to go ham on it, I could be hitting on twos, wounded on threes, and having a four up as an extra attack. So it's it's gross. I could even do sixes to wound or minus one rend, which would be also gross. But uh, anyway, so I finally feel like I've got a little bit of power because the cavalry and the chariots for Tomb Kings are just so blah. They, they're durable. Okay, they keep coming back. I get that. But their damage, like the, the cavalry, is... One attack each, fours and fours. No rend, one damage. Wow, that's, that is impressive. No, it isn't. And even when they charge, they get plus one to wound. They don't even get plus one rend or whatever. It's just, it's bogus. So, that is what I've been doing. I painted ten of those. I got twenty more to paint. And been working more on brutality as always. I won't get too much into that because, like I said, it's bothering me to talk this week on the podcast. So, I will leave you with that. Just a crazy, crazy episode. Enjoy it, and thank you for listening. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. So here is a edited list of prank calls that I received uh, over a year ago. They're moderately entertaining. There are several of them that I could not include because they involved uh racial slurs or gay slurs or something like that so i just didn't include that nonsense some of them were extremely uh kind of offensive so i just kind of left those out as well but overall these are kind of entertaining and i cannot believe somebody actually took their entire night it was like over the course of an hour all of these voicemails and 
I just really hope they had fun. <laughs> uh, I didn't really want to, you know, give them any attention or anything like that, because it's the sort of thing that you deal with in comments sections and anything you do online. You always deal with these type of people. So, But I figured I really did not feel like uh, talking too much this episode. So let's play this, and hopefully it's entertaining for you. It's just a bunch of people that for some reason thought it'd be very interesting to call. So here it is. Hello, Pimpron. This is Natasha, and I've been listening to your podcast for the last couple seasons, and I absolutely love your voice, and every time you talk about Warhammer, it just makes me want to rub my clip. <laughs> this kid so hot. Hi, man. I just want to let you know, you really uh, need to save some pussy for the rest of us because this podcast is driving it away from me, man. It's not fair to the rest of us hardworking men to go out, provide for our families, and work tirelessly to try and provide when instead you get to sit in front of your little Macintosh iMac and, you know, talk about your war diddlers or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> Uh, hey, Pim. Uh, my name is Josh, um, big Warhammer guy. Um, I'm, I got a couple questions. Um, first, uh, what is your favorite strategy to use when you're going out for, like, an all-out assault? Like, if you want to go for a complete pincer attack or something like that. Um, two, why does my pee come out yellow? <laughs> Hello, Pimp Cron. It's your grandmother, Dolores. I just wanted to let you know that we're all very proud of you and everything that you're accomplishing. You're becoming quite a grown man now, and we're really, really proud of you, and we're so happy that you got over your micro penis. So, again, congratulations on all of your success. Yeah, Pimp, I was just wondering, like, what type of paint you use for your miniatures? Like, are you more of an acrylic guy or are you a uh, a latex guy? Personally, I use latex. It, you know, gives that little sheen off that acrylic really won't. Um, I also, you know, it depends. I, I like to do where I paint them naked, but I also, you know, like sometimes I draw like, a little wiener on them, you know, feel good about myself. You know what I'm talking about. You do that all the time. So, like, um, yeah, if you could just give me an answer to that, that would really be appreciative. Also, you know, um, for the flags, you know, do you use a certain type of material or is it just, you know, the fact that you have a podcast on a 30-year-old game that nobody plays anymore? You fucking nerd. You fucking Fuck you. Yeah, I said it. What up? Eat my short dick. Um, is it true that if you don't use it, you don't lose it? I'm, 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 I'm asking for a friend. Hey, so I just got Age of Sigmar, and uh, I'm really excited. I mean, like, not as excited as I get 
when thinking about your wife, but, you know, like pretty excited. So I want to know if you're excited about it as well. Thanks. Um, hi, I was told to call this number and you could get me in touch with the cat whisperer from a and from the A and E program. Um, I'm really interested in meeting him. I'm the biggest fan. I've been watching him since he first came out. Maybe you could show me, um, or tell me how to get in touch with him. That would be pretty awesome. Um, I don't really have any way of compensating you, but he makes me really happy. So, if you have a cat whisperer, please hit me up. Um, you can reach me at 555-546-5555. Thank you. Jim Crone, I really need your help, dude. My cat is just spreading litter all outside the litter box. This is terrible. Yeah. You hear this? This is how I have to fix it. It just took a turd in here, Tim Cron. I need your help. Ah, why is it just magma forest armor? It's way stronger than the name And you know what's really strong is my chastity belt. So that thing is unbreakable with plus five armor. Pimcron, hey, it's me. I'm back. I've got my wife here. We're really desperate for help. We really need help with our cat. If you could get us in touch with the cat whisperer on the A&E program, that would be really, really helpful. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you, Pim Cron. Hey, Pim Cron, it's me again. Um, Diet Coke Zesty Blood Orange isn't as good as I wanted it to be, to be honest with you. Um, it still mostly just tastes like Diet Coke. Like, I wasn't really expecting, like, Diet Orange Soda. I was just expecting it to be, like, a cola that with a very strong blood orange taste. And I think in that aspect, it just failed to deliver. <laughs> um, I'm going to try Diet Coke, Ginger, and Lime, but I'm going in with low expectations. So I'll let you know next time how that works out. All right. Thanks, uh, Pimp Cron. Hey, Pimp Cron. It's me again. Um... There's this really decent candle at, um, what's the candle company? The candle company we got you at the mall, really? No, it's not white blind. I'm trying to remember the blueberry thing we got. It's Bed Bath and Beyond, dude. It's, um... <laughs> Can you just disregard this voicemail? I really feel like I should. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll just, I'll send you a candle and you just, you try it out. Okay, dude. All right. Thanks, Simcron. And help me with my cat, please. So, um, we really need cat help. Hey, Pimpcron. It's a uh, blueberry sugar, uh, bath and body works. <laughs> just wanted to give you the update, bro. Thanks, man. Hey guys, you're listening to Dude Cron, uh, episode number four. Um, yeah, this is, uh, where I hijack other people's podcasts, ones that are found to be, you know, meandering and non-interesting. 
So today we're going to talk about an issue very near and dear to me, lactose intolerance. So I was discovered later in life that I'm lactose intolerant. And you know, for years I went through testing to find out if I had GI problems, find out if I had, you know, like Crohn's or if I had a gluten allergy, I don't know. So I went along and I found out that actually I'm lactose intolerant through a DNA test which makes complete sense because my entire diet is cheese. Tim Cron knows what I'm talking about. Eat nothing but government cheese. Am I right, buddy? So anyways, um, shut up. Don't talk. So going forward with this whole talk, I have found that uh, vegetarian cheese not only is disgusting but does not stymie the stigma of diarrhea in my life. So I have come across with you guys, the listeners. I'm pushing forth an issue. I want you guys to discover a type of lactose intolerant cheese that is not lactate cheese. That shit is gross. So that's what I want. You guys are my viewers. Remember, like, view, subscribe, all that to Dude Cron, way better than Pimp Cron, TM, registered, copyright. And uh, if you need anything at all, go ahead and send him a call at the number for all of this and just tell him about how cool Dude Cron is. Thanks. Peace. I'm out. Honestly, dude, this is just mostly Diet Coke. There is, like, little zesty blood orange. I don't know what to do, Pimp Cron. I need your, I need your help. I need you in my life, Pimp Cron. Want that, or want that not? What, what? It's time for another Want That or Want That Not. Today, I am joined once again by Cronet 204. Hello. What's going on, 204? Um, nothing really. I haven't seen you in so long, so how's life been? Um... Nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> Life has been nothing really. That's I think a lot of us can say that right now. So today we want to discuss the Seraphim Squad for Sisters of Battle, okay? So if nobody, let's say a blind person is interested in Sisters of Battle, how would you describe what these models look like to someone who has never seen these models? Um, Flying people that look halfway like men and have some weird haircuts. <laughs> okay. Actually, they don't look like men. That, that's an unfair... Look, she looks... No, like with the helmets, maybe. The helmets kind of look like... They make them look more like men, especially that, that it's, one. It's got... It's got... I know, It's got... Still. Bulges in its armor for breasts. I know, but still. Well? It's hard to tell sometimes. Well... Especially on these models. Okay. Are you liking the helmets better yes. than the heads? Actually, she the, actually looks okay. Yeah, the heads look okay. These but, models are a lot better than some of the other models. Yeah. Yeah. Like the one last time. Yeah. And look at this one. I like this hooded one. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Looking. Even the face looks really good. Yep. Um, her gun looks like a, a fake one that when you pr press the trigger, like the blue part or whatever, the parts that see through would turn rainbow and like. Wait, would make some noises. Oh, that's a plasma pistol. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It is uh, pretty powerful, actually. So explain it. There's five five people, and they're flying. Uh-huh. How are they flying? What are they dressed like? Explain it. They're dressed, like, mostly black, and they're 
loincloths look like, even, even though they have, like, armor under it. Those are red, and there's, like, little gems. Like, one has a necklace to, mm-hmm. with it on. The other has it strapped to, like, a belt. What kind of weapons? Weapons, they have um, guns, and that's pretty much... Well, this lady's got a sword here. Oh, yeah, a sword. This lady's got... It looks got... like she has a bomb, maybe. Yeah, she's got a grenade, yep. Yeah. Um, she's got two bolt pistols. She's got two bolt pistols. She has a plasma pistol and a chain sword. Yeah. Like we saw with the other squad, the Repentia yeah. squad. And then she has two hand flamers. And oh, then, and then she cool. has two uh, hand uh, melta pistols. Melta pistols. Yeah, for blowing up vehicles. Yeah. So, all in all, do you like these? Uh, yeah, they look pretty good. And I'm a huge fan of the helmets. Yeah, they look like half half white, like completely white, half completely black. Well, I mean, of course, you can paint them however you want. Yeah, but so, how but, these are painted, yeah. they have like half kind of white, half kind of black. I like this. This woman's got like a face mask on. Yeah, kind of like one of those things where like you're sanding something and you don't want to breathe it in. Yeah. Or, Spray paint mask or something. And a lot of people have complained about the faces of these Sisters of Battle. Like, a lot of them look very masculine, and a lot of them are just ugly sculpts. I mean, like I said before, even if it was supposed to be a man's head, it's an ugly man. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it, it, but this this one right here in the back is actually a pretty good sculpt. Uh, yeah. It looks like a woman, and mm-hmm. that's fine. And her hair's good. Yeah, and this looks like a woman, so... Yeah, you know, the hair's a little... Uh, it almost crazy. looks like she's got dreadlocks or something. Yeah. It's a cuz she most of them have the same haircut. Yeah, she has like bangs and then short hair. Yeah. That looks good. I like that. But all in all, uh these are a really cool model, I think. They have jetpacks on so they yeah. fly. And, and their jetpacks kind of look like wings and it's amazing. Yes, actually it is. Each one of those wings is an exhaust port. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've I've looked at Mr. James. Mr. James has this army. And um, I've looked at each one of those before. I was like, oh, each one of these, that's where the exhaust comes out for it to push them upward. Oh, nice. So these models have a lot of detail, don't they? Yeah. I mean, look at this lady. She's got, like, a belt and then another belt and a rosary with an Inquisition symbol. Yeah, that's the same thing the other has. The other two other ladies have on that. Wait. Yep. Two of them Yeah, two. And then the other ladies have, like, just skulls on their armor. I really like these models. I think these are some of my favorite models they've done for Sisters of Battle. Yeah. Is this a want that or want that not for you? Um, want that. Yeah, that is definitely a want that for me. We previously recorded the Repentia segment, and the Repentia I did want. I I did actually like, but... The leader's face. The leader's face is ugly, and there's some other things where the sculpts are just weird, and I, I don't care... But these are graceful. Yeah. They look like they're in motion. Mm-hmm. They're feminine, but they're not exaggerated like a Barbie doll. Yeah. They look they look roughly like the real proportions of a real woman soldier that would be in armor. Yeah. You know? And the the face of this woman, look here, she's not some supermodel, she's just a woman. Yeah. Which I also appreciate. And I really like these helmets though. Mm-hmm. It, I know uh just James, Mr. James, uh he put almost all of his sisters in helmets. Because oh, nice. he liked the helmets better. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, if I get a sister's army, I'm definitely putting mostly helmets on them. Yeah, um, I like that the leader looking one with the the 
plasma pistol and the chain sword. I like that she has, she's like the only one with the hood. That looks really cool. Yeah, and she's got a hood and a mask on. Yeah. Which is pretty neat. So all in all, I think these are knocked out of the park. I think these uh-huh. are amazing models. I think they've got a lot of motion to them. They look like they're fighting. Just really neat. Yeah. How much would you be willing to pay for five of these models? Um, the most probably maybe sixty dollars. You always you always guess high. I know. Sixty. Well. Earlier, they look wait, really cool. Wait, earlier you said $60 for 10 of the other models. You wanted to do $60 for five of these. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you're not too far off. It's $55 for five of these. Nice. Each one of these is $11. $11? $11. That's pretty darn high. Yeah. But they are really, really cool looking. So really what do you say? Really cool and detailed. Um... Yeah, they're. I like them. They've done a really good job, I think. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, thank you for being on. That is a want that for me and a want that for Cronet 204. Yes. Thank you very much for being on Cronet 204. Uh, bye. Bye. Now, here's an idea. All right, well, it's that time now for. Well, here's an idea. And I just recently had some dental work done, which is what's making it uncomfortable to talk. What I had done was I had all four of my wisdom teeth pulled. And, you know, that's, I mean, tons of people have done that, blah, blah, blah. Not the end of the world. It was like two days ago. Still really swollen, kind of difficult to talk, but whatever. Point is, I had the weirdest hobbyist hobbying session I've ever had. And this might gross some of you out. So when I got my wisdom teeth pulled, I was like, hmm, I wonder if maybe, just maybe, I could get to keep my teeth. So I asked the guy, and I was like, hey, dentist, person, uh, individual, could I please keep my teeth? And he's like, yeah, sure, they're your teeth, whatever. So he let me keep my teeth. So when now that I'm kind of, you know, recovered and whatnot mostly, and uh, looking at my teeth, and I realize, like... Why do I have these? <laughs> I don't know why I would want these teeth, but I have them now. So that's that's the situation, I guess, at hand. I, were, I, um, I really wanted to show my children, and I also had morbid curiosity as to what the teeth would look like. Because I've never had anything... I've never had a tooth pulled before. I've never had, you know, anything removed. Something like that. So I've got this little container of four wisdom teeth. And I'm looking at them and they're, you know, I had to bleach them and put them in alcohol and all the stuff to kill germs. But I'm like, I don't know what to do with them. But I do know that something that's pretty gross is that when they pulled my four teeth out of my head, there was still some, I guess, gum or bone stuck to my teeth. And like I told you, I warned you, this would be gross, okay? So I don't know if I'm actually going to do anything with my four wisdom teeth because, I mean, what would I do with them? I almost thought about, I don't know, somebody said I should make dice out of them or something like that. It would be interesting. I got to tell you that. It'd be very interesting to be able to roll my own teeth as uh, dice. But I was also thinking about, you know, incorporating them in some sort of hobby project or some, some macabre use for these teeth. But in the meantime... There was this flesh on them. So 
what I ended up having to do is taking a hobby knife, like an X-Acto knife, and if I'm going to do anything with them, it was really bothering me to have this flesh stuck to my teeth. So I ended up having to clean, just like you'd clean flesh, I had to, or mold lines from a model, I had to actually scrape the gum or flesh stuck to these teeth, and I had to scrape it off in order to clean the teeth, in order to, for them to not look quite so gross and just look like giant ass wisdom teeth. So that was some of my hobby and uh, hobby this week was scraping. This is this is a surreal thing. Okay, I know we're getting into some weird territory, but not only am I holding my own teeth in my hand, which I have never done before in my entire life, but I'm also cleaning my own flesh off of these teeth and I guess gum. A lot of it was like pink, very hard pink something. And I guess it was gum. So anyway, just wanted to share that with you because like I said, I have no plans to do anything with these teeth. I just wanted to look at them for myself and wanted to show them to, from, to my kids. And now I'm like, I got to do something with these teeth. So if you have any idea, something I can do with these four wisdom teeth before I throw them away, uh, let me know. Also, let me know if that really grossed you out. You know, me talking about s cleaning the flesh off of my teeth. And um, I guess that's it. So, like I said, it's it's a little difficult to talk, a little uncomfortable. So I'm going to cut this short and uh, let's let's get on with some slightly more normal stuff. How about that? Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. So uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about my point, but I need some stats to back me up, and I got a buddy to do this. So here we go. So just right now, now this isn't the most official thing in the world, but I just looked up the Reddit Warhammer competitive sub, which is both AOS and 40K, is 22,000 members. The Reddit Warhammer 40K sub, which is focused around painting and other stuff, is 222,000 members. So it's literally 10x the people that are talking mostly about models and painting and not about competitive. Which brings me back to my point, not everybody is a competitive player. That being said, I realize that they make edits because some neckbeard has found the fucking way to fix it. And I get that. I completely get that. Some dude found a way to make it to where, oh, cool, you mean if I do this with my sallies, I don't have to be targeted with my whole army? Great. Guess what? GW looks at that and goes, God damn it. Now I have to fix this fucking thing that this goddamn neckbeard did because now all of the dudes who are trying to play casual have had it ruined because they saw some dude on YouTube show how to do it. And I understand that the, the person, the competitive 100% uh, competitive affects those players who are playing basement gamers negatively. And that is the thing that we need to address. And the way you fix that, and I will push this all the time hobby because what happens is you get a guy who buys the whatever the hotness is they buy three of them they put it up it's barely painted and frankly that guy shouldn't win the tournament because that's the way you slow this down if you're really about this being a narrative item something that really pushes forward and we're not play if you want to go play that game go play magic the gathering that's been the whole point if you want to play that kind of game there's already a system that's in turn it's even turing complete you can go have fun and play magic the gathering 40K is about guys coming together and trying to have a narrative, fun game. And that's what GW is always trying to push for. And if you look at the stats and you look at their sales, and if you ever get a chance to talk to any of their reps, they say the exact same thing. They're like, look, guy, you're not my target. 
you might affect the target, but you're not the guy buying most of my models at my stores. You're the guy buying it on eBay so that we can get it quick. And I don't care if you get it on eBay because the scalper does that. I'm not, you're not my target audience. And understanding that is part of our, as much as I love this stitch and bitch, I love it. We need to also understand, like my good friend said, we are a niche within a niche. I just, want, I just wanted to say with the uh, Warhammer uh, competitive Reddit versus the Warhammer Reddit, I mean, uh, we could do a little poll here. I don't think we need to, but I, I'm on the Warhammer subreddit. I'm not on Warhammer competitive, but I still go to competitive events 10 months out of the year. And so that's not really a good statistic to measure on. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm part of that list, too, who isn't subbed to that Reddit but still goes to competitive events. But... Uh, just the point. No, yeah, yeah. But uh, just the point I wanted to bring up was that uh, GW isn't. They're not. I'm not gonna say they're not listening, but they're not necessarily listening as hard to the people on the painting and hobby Reddit because the competitive ones are the ones that are talking rules for the most part. I would imagine, right? So, yeah. Oh, I, I agree. You you had me at neckbeard in your rant. But uh. <laughs> And let me just at least level set. Walt, we 100% agree with you. Play AOS. I'll tell play AOS. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, I 100% I think hobby score needs to be included. I, we've been to a couple of tournaments where they include it in your overall standings. Like, you can't, you can, you can shoot up from like 15th to 8th place on pain alone. That's something I've seen at some of them. Um, yeah, so so hobby needs to be involved more so. I 100% agree. The only thing I would disagree with you on, I think there is more competitive people than you think. Or at least or at least it's affecting more people even if it's their baseline, who they're selling their models to, those people that are buying the models, what are they asking? What's a good army to play? Also, um sportsmanship should be included in that too. Yeah, there's there's a ton of there's a ton of potential issues for tournaments and stuff like that, because like as a TO, a couple things concern me. Like for the painting competition, I've got I I know lots of people that don't paint their armies, but they're not the latest cheese ball, whatever. And the person that's the professional tournament competitive type, if you require a painting army, if he's going to spend so much money on the new hotness, he'll just pay someone to paint the army. So it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to devote all that time to it. Hold on, John. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, gamers are going to game as far as what Scott just said. Um, that is a thing that can't happen. And with the competitive scene being the majority of most podcasts, which we're fans of 40K and Age of Sigmar, so we consume as much product as we can. And a lot of that product, other than like fan-made stuff, like, you know, Save Astartes channel. Yep. Save Astartes. Save Astartes. Um, but most of the stuff is focused on the competitive, and it can be very doom and gloom, very um, the sky is falling, very reactionary. And then a lot of people that play that fancy themselves hyper-competitive tournament players wait to hear what someone's, what Paul Murphy says about something, and then they go, yes, this good, I take three. So, I mean, it's a very... A very hammer thing. A very it's good. I take three. Needs to happen. It's a very kind of like passive involvement in the game, and it hurts the game that there is fewer voices about hobby and narrative fun play. And I think we as a community need to have that voice be heard more. 
so like right around the start of this whole thing, I said GW should have a tournament packet for 40k. When I started playing, they did. Soft score was a part of it. I won on battle points and lost a competition because I had a zero soft score. But every year, GW had something called Ard Boys, where there was no soft score. You show up with the hottest cheese you can find. There was no um, sportsmanship, no no paint score, none of that. You showed up, you hit each other in the mouth, you were dicks about it the whole time, and then whoever whoever was the biggest dick and the hardest dick won. But in every other tournament we went to, it did exist. I was in fucking college. I was in college. It was it was two thousand and fucking ten. It was. And they, they quit Art Boys in 09 because I ran an Art Boys competition in 09. Yeah, I'm saying that if they if they said, okay, we're making a tournament packet with soft scores and everything like that, this is how you you have a base. If your model's based, that's a point. If it's fully painted, which is a base coat plus three colors, that's another point. If you have modifications, that's another point. And if you have freehand, that's another point. Four fucking points for soft score. Then guess what? You rate every opponent based on their sportsmanship from one to whatever. You add that in. Somebody like me who didn't bother to paint my army when I was a freshman in college got dead last because I had a zero soft score and everybody else had at least one point. You know, and then art boys roll up and then regional tournaments change it as you want, like Shorehammer, change it as you want. But yeah. Yeah, that's exactly why I like this event because like I have too much on my plate. I don't have time to paint my entire army. I have been painting my army for like a whole year now. And if anybody's played me today, they're not all painted. So I, I, just, I just don't have time to hobby like I used to back when I was in high school or didn't have a family or a job. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I know plenty of players that are not ignorant assholes and they just don't like to paint or they don't whatever. I mean. I know there's also those people that chase the wind constantly, too. So, I mean, there's there's both ways. I just wanted to mention about something, Scott, you had said earlier with the painting scores, and some people just pay for their armies to be painted. At some of the tournaments I've been to that paint scores were included, the first thing they ask is, did you paint it? You can lie, but most of those people enough times know, I know who commissioned that, and someone's going to call them out on it. Every time I've at least been able to see someone say, I know who painted that. Um, to your point, uh, my first tournament was a Rogue Trader back before 2000. You're absolutely right. It was kind of the golden age of it where you had sportsmanship scores, you had painting scores. Everybody, it, it is still, It's still a gentleman's game or a gentle people's game, however you want to say that. But I think those days are pretty much gone now that we have ITC, ATC. You know, GW is looking at it going, we have an independent tournament circuit. Why am I throwing Rogue Traders? They'll still show. They'll th they're still going to throw a grand tournament in Nottingham, but we're not going to see it on the on the on our side. I mean, talking about hobby scores and painting and everything, like I like to play. I like to play competitively. I like to play narratively. I like to play all sorts of different ways. But I'm a shit painter. Like it, it, and it, but it takes me. But it takes me a year. It takes me 18 months to maybe paint a 1500 point army. So if I'm showing up to events and I've got two-thirds of an army painted and i'm gonna lose if i say i place third and i'm gonna lose because i don't have i'm not as good of a painter i can't freehand things i can't do all that like that just gives me the feel bads 
Walter McCline just second. So, um, I've played a couple tournaments uh, in the last couple of years where it's been, I, I don't, I, I'm not a very good painter, but I show up, it, there's a tournament, and I'm like, okay, uh, they have a painting competition, or uh, they have a minimum requirement of three paints, but, you know, GW requirement for, uh, like, LVO and all that shit is, like, you know, very basic, but if I show up to a tournament where I have, like, you know, a dry brush, uh, primer and you know a shoulder pad painted i feel very bad about that Good. yeah so i i i, I don't I, I feel really bad i don't want to be the guy that shows up and says hey i've got these dudes that uh they're here i've got the minimum requirement and they look like shit i don't want to be that guy and i feel like if you show up to a tournament and you have dry brush dry brush dry brush you're you're in the tournament and you look like shit. I, I just, I, it, it rubs me the wrong way, if if you will. So um, I do. So full disclosure, I do commission painting every now and then. That's a thing I do. Uh, to get ready for Shorehammer between me and a certain Tyranid player who is not to be mentioned, I painted over a hundred models for in the last month to try and get everything ready. And that's part of it. And I understand that not everybody has that kind of time. I 100% am behind that. The point is not necessarily cool. You don't have that thing that is you're trying to do an army. It's looking at the guy who just said, hey, this thing just came out. It's really good. You brought three of it and you didn't paint it. You're trying. It's really. the And part of that is kind of like one of these, like, I almost wish that there could be like a don't be a D card that just judges could throw down. Like, dude, I see what you're doing. Nobody likes it. Everybody hates that you even brought this to this vibe. You are bringing the buzz that you get from a 40K game or an Age of Sigmar game down by what you are doing. Please stop. So I just want to go back to what you were saying a few minutes ago, Jason, about how you're not, uh, you, you don't feel you're a great painter. First of all, the first thing I'll say is the more you do it, the easier it is for you. But the other thing is I've been, I, I've been painting Warhammer models for seven years now i've had geez how many painted armies blood angels tyranids how blood angels again gene steel Cult, a lot even right now i'm working on an iron jaws army and one model for that army is taking me an hour per model an hour plus so it, <clears throat> it looked good though. my hope is yeah, my hope is they'll look good sorry i didn't realize you turned the mic up that much but <laughs> my hope is they'll look good but again just because you're not a good painter now doesn't mean you can't be by working at it but at the same time, even a, somebody experienced can still get into an army where it'll take them an hour per model. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be good at. I don't particularly enjoy the painting aspect. I do it because I have to, and I get my my base coat, my three colors. I do the base. It turns out to how as good as I can get. But when I lose because my best in a painting competition wasn't as good as somebody else, that's fine. When I lose on the battlefield because mine didn't have freehand and shading and, and airbrushed highlights and 14 different components on its base, that feels like crap to me. Totally get that. Um, what I will say based off the main painting rubrics that I've seen at major tournaments, if you're doing a base three color and you're basing it and you're painting in the lines, you're probably getting enough that it's not going to hurt your score. The big thing is People that are priming it, spraying it with two different colors, and then throwing sand at the bottom for a couple of times, those guys are getting their scores hurt. I've seen your stuff. 
I painted some of your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um, and and it's perfect. You do not have to be a good painter to still get good points on a painting rubric to the point that it's not going to drop you. Most of them are. Did you do three colors? Awesome. Did you do a highlight? Sure. Dry brush. Done. Did you cover the base when you did your basing with sand? Great. You're getting 16 points. You're getting 16 points flat out of your 20 max. The only time it really gets in for those high-level painters is when you're getting top-end or the guys that aren't doing as well. You're trying for best painted. Uh, guys that aren't doing as well, they get somewhat of a boost. So if you've got someone in, like, 20th place, yeah, maybe they're up to 15th now. Maybe they beat out that guy that just did a spray can, a rattle can, three colors. So for someone that's just getting three colors, doesn't really want to go more beyond that, it's not hurting you at all in most painting rubrics. That's, a, that's exactly what happened to me. I, I'm not the best painter, even though I've been painting for 20 years now. I'm highly average. But when I sat down and I, I lost a tournament, even though I had a very high battle score, but I had a zero soft score because I had unprimed models in my army. I sat down and looked at the paint rubric and was like, fuck this, I'm never letting this happen again. And I hit every single box that they had, and I didn't hit it necessarily well, but they said multiple layers of basing. I was like, all right, I glued sand down, painted it, glued some static grass on it. That's two layers of basing. I did the average colors. They're like, all right, freehand. I was like, cool. I painted some shitty looking flames on the shoulder pads, you know, and from a distance, they all look cool standing next to each other. I got best painted three years in a row because I ticked more boxes than my buddy James, who's at least twice the painter I am. He's <laughs> significantly better. So you can get a decent soft score, like you were saying, if you just do that a little bit. I'm just going to say that I love the hobby aspect of it first foremost in uh gaming i'm not a best the best gamer but i'm a decent painter and uh i i'm not a snob if somebody didn't paint their army i just think that it you can try to paint it as you go but yeah not everybody has time but to me it's the hobby first and then the tournament second that's how i look at it it's all good games it's fun so basically everything you say, Donovan, you're like, chill, deal with it. <laughs> it's, like your, it's like your answer. Oh, I just kind of want to go of like, it's kind of, uh, I guess the, kind of like Donovan said, it, it, it boils down to try not to be a dick. Like, if I see an army that I'm playing against that's one army, one squad is painted fully, another squad is partially, cool. You are working through it. No big deal. If it's all gray plastic and it's all literally only the meta units, all right. And then at the end of the day, it's also, hey, maybe you're trying to try hard. Great. Are you being super friendly about it? Are you not trying to be like, well, I got my calipers out, and that's maybe a tenth of an inch too short. It, it's kind of one of those things. Really, at the end of the day, don't be an asshole, but also try. The problem is a lot of times people don't realize when they're being an asshole, too. You know, they're like, oh, I'm just being competitive. But no, you're really being an asshole. You're twisting the rules. We have a word for that. Uh.